0: Let's open our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. We have just read Psalm 130. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But we also read in the Bible, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Both are in Scripture. The first to make us appreciate the second. If the Lord were to mark us by His holiness and righteousness and justice, we cannot stand. But when the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect Savior and perfect mediator, stood in for us, we shall stand and we can stand and stand boldly as was just prayed. We can have hope. And that hope is not a possibility of redemption. That hope is a certainty of redemption. That He will keep His promises to us. 1 Peter chapter 1, we want to consider one more time this morning the holiness of God and what it should do to our lives. There is a war against holiness that is fought in your members. There is a war against holiness fought in the world. And there is a war against holiness fought in spiritual wickedness in high places by the devil himself. We have a war and there's a threat for you to be unholy and profane. And you'll give an account of it when we meet the Lord. Though these beloved brethren to whom Peter wrote were the elect of God. Verses 1 and 2 tell us that, though they were his beloved brethren, there was a warning on how they were to live. While God has made us holy legally, he's made us holy vitally, he will make us holy finally. we have our responsibility to live practical lives of holiness while we're here that is how we please our father for what he has done for us remember it is just our reasonable service to give our bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto him first peter chapter 1 i'm going to read verses 13 through 17 having spent 12 verses describing the second coming of jesus christ and the eternal inheritance held in store for us and our reservation for that eternal inheritance, and the great glory that shall be revealed when He comes, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons... Judgeth according to every man's work. Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. And we will end there. It goes on to describe the redemption that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that there is no other way for that redemption. But by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Which has been manifest for us in these last times. And brethren before the day's over we are going to be thankful that we are in the last times to know that manifestly clear redemption that we have in Christ Jesus. But let's look quickly at these verses. This is the Word of God. A sermon should be reading in the book, in the law of God, distinctly and giving the sense and causing you to understand the reading. These are God's words. And may God the Holy Spirit quicken your affection and understanding and conviction for them and by them. Wherefore, because of what I've just described of Jesus Christ coming, wherefore, in light of that glorious event, and in order to make our calling and election sure, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Now, your mind doesn't really have loins. But it's a metaphor here. It's a figure of speech to describe girding up your loins. If you had a long flowing garment and you needed to move quickly, You would gather that garment up around your loins and maybe tie it off so that you could move more quickly. And you're to do that mentally. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. We have got to set our minds on the fact that there is a holy God and we shall appear before Him. We shall give an account of our lives. So we want to gear up our minds and be sober. Life is sober. Life is not a joke. Life is not a vacation. Life is not pleasure. Life is, first of all, a sober girding up in order to meet and please the Lord. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There is certain grace coming. But because grace is certainly coming, Does that mean we ought to sin, that grace may abound? God forbid. Though certain grace is coming, we should not presume on that grace to live foolishly because we have a Father in heaven who has saved us and He has saved us to be zealous of good works. At the revelation of Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ is revealed, then you're going to get some glory and we're hoping for that glory and it will be brought to us. But until then, gird up your minds focus your attention, be sober, and let's hope for the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. As obedient children, verse 14 tells us, not disobedient children that he has to chasten, but obedient children. Not living the way we once did when we were ignorant. Not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. We're to be be changed. If any man be in Christ, if you're hoping for that eternal redemption, your life should be different. Your life should be different. We are not to fashion or form ourselves. We're to be transformed. We're not to fashion ourselves like we once were. We are not to conform. We're to fashion ourselves to be different as obedient children. Because God is holy. Verse 15, But as He which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy. And God's holiness is is not the world's idea of holiness. It's not an A for effort. God's holiness is an A for accomplishment. He is perfectly holy. He doesn't try to be perfectly holy. He is perfectly holy. And we want to have that kind of a holy life as verse 15 describes. So be ye holy. Not in just part of your life. Not in just public worship on Sunday. But in all manner of conversation. And that word conversation there is an old English word meaning your lifestyle or your manner of living. In all our lifestyle, our whole lifestyle should be geared around the fact that God our Father is a holy God. Therefore, everything we do is holy. And every father in this assembly is responsible for keeping a holy house. So that our conversation is holy. Our actions are holy. Anything we view is holy. Anything we read is holy. We are holy in our relationships. We're holy in our thoughts, speech, deeds. We are holy in the atmosphere in our home. We are holy as we approach the Lord's worship. We are holy when we pick up God's Word and read it. We're holy when we pray. We're holy when we thank God for a blessing in our lives. We're holy when we deal with sin. We're holy when we chasten our children. In all manner of conversation, Your marriage had better be holy. Before I get done in a few minutes, you'll wish that your marriage were holy. Because God cannot stand an unholy marriage. Holiness applies to all that we do. Is it pure from sin? Is it totally separate from the world? Is it different and pure and clean, cleansed, right, and beautiful in the sight of God? And if it's less than that, it's not good enough. Someone will say, well, how holy do we have to be? Let that person say that to the Lord. Right. Say that to the Lord someday. I believe the Lord will grant me the pleasure of being nearby to see what He has to say to you. I don't think you'll ask that question in that day. Because when you see the holiness of God, you will not be asking, how holy should I be? You'll be saying, woe is me! I wish I could go back and relive my life and be holier than I was. Instead of worrying how holy should you be, get holier than you are. Right. Because we're told here, He is holy, He wants us to be holy, He expects us to be holy, and it requires a girding up of our minds. Our, if you relax this morning, if you relax today, if you go out of that door relaxed, you're sinning against the God of heaven. You're hearing the words of His Word. And you're defying them. You cannot relax and be a Christian. We are at war. And the war are the lusts in our own souls. We are to gird up the loins of our mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is coming. And we're to be holy like he is holy in every part of our lives, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. First in first in verse fifteen, our brother Peter appeals to the nature of God. As He is holy, we should be holy. In verse 16, He appeals to the Scriptures for these scattered Jews to remember that the Old Testament said that as well. Verse 17, And if ye call on the Father, and we have called on God our Father this morning, and I hope that you have all called on Him this morning, and you called on Him last evening, and I hope we call on Him every day. The point is, if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons, Judgeth according to every man's work. Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. We are sojourners. This is just a little stopping place. Children, you may get out and run around for 70 years for a little bit of fresh air and exercise. Children, I have chosen you in Christ Jesus before the world began. I will let you out to run around for 70 years. But if we're going to call on Him as our Father, then we better spend the time of our sojourning here in this world, the 70 years He may give us. We're to spend it in fear. Passing that time in fear. Godly fear. A good fear. A holy fear. A fear that doesn't want to displease our holy God. If we're going to call on Him, and if we know anything about His nature, that He doesn't care who you are, You care who you are. I care who I am. By nature, we all do. We think that because of who we are, surely there'll be some mercy shown toward me. Oh no. He shows no respect of anyone. You are nothing in His sight. Absolutely nothing. Except by grace, through Jesus Christ our Lord, we are His sons, which makes us His Father. But if we're going to call on Him as our Father, we better look like obedient children and we better spend our time here in fear. Everything we do in our homes, everything we do in our vehicles, every word that we say, every attitude that we portray, especially you fathers, we must promote holiness. We have got to have holy marriages, holy lives, holy thoughts, holy families, and a holy church. Or we are displeasing the holy God who's called us to be His children. And if this is a sober... This is a sober effort at girding up our minds to do this because your flesh doesn't want to. The world isn't going to help you. It's going to tell you to relax and have a good time. Come as you are. Let's have casual worship. This doesn't sound casual to me. Does it sound casual to you? Gird up the loins of your mind. Don't relax them. Gird them up. Be sober. Don't be laughing. That's why our services are different. That's why we are a beacon in the world to those that hear about our assemblies because we are so different. And we know that we can be better in our hearts, in our homes, and in our church. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 with me, please. There is a war against being holy. So you have to gird up the loins of your mind and think right now. You have to think with the power of the Holy Spirit. As to what the Bible is telling you. And you need to be thinking of every aspect of your life. Am I holy? What I read, what I do, what I say, how I relate to my spouse, how I relate to my children, my children to me. Is it all holy in our home? The way I talk about others, the way I go to work, the way I speak of my master. You say, how can that be holiness? Let me tell you something. Do you know who put that master in your life? Lord. God, your father. Father you know that he knows every he knows more about him than you could ever learn if you were to dedicate the rest of your life trying to study the life and history and ancestors of your master god knows everything about him he chose him for you and how you treat him is a direct reflection upon god that's why rulers in the bible are called gods you can show holiness by the way you treat those in authority if you speak disrespectfully about those offices or those people that God put in the offices, then you're being unholy. Because the holy God put them there. And I'll tell you something, they're a whole lot better than we deserve. Ephesians chapter 2, look at what we are by nature. And you hath he quickened, verse 1, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. The enemy of God, we walked according to the course of this world. They told us to jump, and we said, how high? According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the fleshly mind. I added that word fleshly to help you. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. That is what we are by nature. That whole description is pure unholiness. That is profanity. We operated by in obedience to the devil. We operate in obedience to the world. We operate in obedience to our own lusts. And we are to be different because God's quickened us and made us alive that we won't look dead like this anymore. Chapter 4. This is the description of the world. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. We are to gird up the loins of our mind. They walk in the vanity of the loose thoughts of their mind. Having the understanding darkened, they do, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. I hope you're willing to admit that description describes your flesh. Can you say that? I mean, can, do you believe that? That's a horrible indictment of the human race. But that's the way other Gentiles walk. That's the way the world walks. But we are not to be like that. We are to be different. They're walking around in the vanity of their mind, thinking that they can get away with living any way they wish, and God's told us to gird up the loins of our mind. This is a sober thing to be a Christian. We are to mortify the flesh. That is to put to death the things that counter the Word of God. It is a fight every day of your life. Anybody want to agree with that? Every day of our lives it's a fight. My flesh is as strong as anyone's in here. I hate my flesh. Every time I think soberly upon my flesh, I love death. Because that's the way we get rid of it. 2nd Timothy chapter 3. We're at war about holiness. I just showed you your flesh, your flesh does not want to do anything holy. It wants to follow lasciviousness with greed. What a statement. This doesn't sound like sins of ignorance to me, does it? To you? No. 2 Timothy 3, you know these verses well, but we want to just grab a couple of comments here from the first five verses. This know also, 2 Timothy 3.1, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, From such, turn away. These are Christians. This is not the world. Timothy had already turned away from the world. This is so-called Christianity in a time, in the last days, when it would be perilous for us to pattern ourselves after other Christians. Because they are unholy. They no longer consider the things of God sacred. And to enter into the average worship service of most churches today, there is no holiness. It is fraught and filled with laughter, jokes, anecdotes, illustrations, games, contests, and other ridiculous things that they have added to keep the carnal, the few carnal elect that they have there and the unregenerate members that they have happy with their assemblies. They're unholy. So we have a war that we're fighting. We have got to stand and fight. You want to talk about an ancient landmark? It's holy living. It's holy worship. You know, we can get excited about so many points of doctrine, but let us make sure that while we're getting excited about points of doctrine as being ancient landmarks of our church, while we're rejoicing in the truth of true Bible baptism, for instance, let us make sure we're living holy lives and we have a holy church. Holy, free from sin. Hating sin. Separate from sin. Separate and hating the world. Crucified to the world and the world crucified to us. Unholy. They make jokes about heaven. They'll tell jokes in the pulpit. There is no joke about heaven. Don't you dare tell a joke about heaven. Don't you ever tell a joke about St. Peter's gate. There is no such place in heaven. St. Peter ain't gonna meet you at any gate. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to meet you and you're going to wish you had never talked about St. Peter. The last time St. Peter opened his mouth, in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, God thundered from heaven and said this is my beloved Son, hear ye Him. Matthew 17, verse 9 verses. Brethren, holiness is very important to please God and there is a war against it. It's a war against it from inside you from the world outside us and by the devil himself that you cannot see whose minions the devil's working for him are in and around us all the time. But we are protected by the grace of God if we will walk in fellowship with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. They can't touch a man that Jesus Christ has set in protection with with a hedge around him. Can't touch him. But I'll tell you, the Lord will let the devil touch you and it will mess up your life if you do not walk in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and live a holy life. It says that they are lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. That is profane. To love pleasure more than God is profane. Houses of worship opened up all over the nation yesterday. People painted themselves in religious devotion to their collegiate football team. They screamed, they worshipped, they stood for three and a half hours. They wouldn't sit, and yet they can't sit for 30 minutes or 60 minutes to hear the Word of God preached. They're lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Where is your love? If it's to be weighed right now in the balances, not of Jonathan Crosby, his are getting weighed right now as well, but in the balances of the Lord Jesus Christ, who knows the thoughts and intents of our heart, Where is your greatest love? Or your stupid job yesterday? Those that worked yesterday would make fun of those who watched a football game. Neither one is more noble than the other by itself. They're both of the world. If your affection is toward them and not God. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Where is the real love in your soul? And they have a form of godliness. They come in and sit. They dress up and they sit. But they have, there's no authority of that godliness in their lives. And we've gotta have it. This is a warning. We're living in the middle of it. Brethren, God's chosen us for it. The Christian world around us thinks that they have a God that loves all the liberties that they take. I get so sick of hearing all that stuff out of their lips. That liberty in Christ Jesus is liberty from the law. It is liberty from the binding condemnation of the law, but it is not liberty to live as you choose. Second Peter chapter 2 tells me about those false teachers. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. That is not holiness. God is holy and the Lord Jesus Christ is holy, and we will meet him on his terms, not ours. Jeremiah chapter 23. Brethren, most pulpits today are preaching an unholy religion. And I'm talking about Christian pulpits that would say that they are indeed Christians. I'm talking about Baptists. I'm talking about others. I'm talking about those that would say they're Bible Christians. Things haven't changed. 2 Timothy 4 says that the time will come when they will no longer endure sound doctrine. Do you know what sound doctrine includes? Holy living. They'll no longer, they don't want to hear anything about that. I mean, let me tell you, I can promise you today without looking at the schedule that Rick Warren is not preaching on the holiness of God. Do you, do, you know, do you all know that? Do you know that Joel tonight, when he gets up to kiss and make love to his 30,000 down there in the, is it the Compact Center in Houston? What's the name of that place called? Never mind, you're all. You don't watch Joel Osteen? Is he going to preach on the holiness of God tonight? Not a chance the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And their ears will be turned away from the truth and unto fables. They'll listen to any story, jokes, personal illustrations, all that stuff, but they don't want to hear the Word of God. And that is Christianity today. And if it's not for the grace of God, it will be Christianity in this church. Unless we are vigilant and live holy lives and earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. And part of that faith was cleansing yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Jeremiah 23, they had the problem in the Old Testament. Verse 9. Jeremiah 23, 9. Jeremiah writes, "...Mine heart within me is broken because of the prophets. All my bones shake. I am like a drunken man, and like a man whom wine hath overcome." Because of the Lord, and because of the words of His holiness. For the land is full of adulterers. For because of swearing, the land mourneth. The pleasant places of the wilderness are dried up, and their course is evil, and their force is not right. For both prophet and priest are profane. Yea, in my house have I found their wickedness, saith the Lord. Jeremiah 23, 9-10 Jeremiah and the Lord were offended and grieved about the wickedness that was in the, on the part of the priests the prophets and they had profaned the Lord even in His house and the grief of verse 9 is because of the Lord and because of the words of His holiness God is holy and if we for a minute get a true vision of God's holiness and then measure our lives by it it's going to cause us grief unless we are walking with Him in the light of His Word. Right. Exodus 23. Those false teachers of Jeremiah 23 are matched with the false teachers of 2 Timothy 3 and 4. They'll no longer endure sound doctrine, so they'll get teachers that will scratch their itching ears. They will get teachers that promise them liberty. God doesn't care how you worship Him as long as you love Jesus. As long Which Jesus are you talking about? There's more than one in the Bible. And Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Right. Don't tell me about the love of Jesus covering you. That's what they all want to say. Oh, you're just a stickler for doctrine. You're a Neanderthal caveman. Don't you know that there's liberty in Christ Jesus? As long as we love Jesus, that's all that matters. Where does it say that in the Bible? It says in the Bible that your love might abound yet more and more in all Knowledge and judgment that she may approve things that are acceptable and be filled with all the fruits of righteousness. Now that's love. That's love that God accepts. We live in a generation like that. Brethren, the war. The war includes a majority against us. But look at the warning of Scripture. Exodus 23, 2. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Does it impress you that lots of people do something? Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil neither shalt thou speak in a cause to decline after many to rest judgment. Two warnings in one verse against following the majority, against following the crowd. You shouldn't care what other people are doing. What does God want you to do? And if this church were to live carnally, what does God want you to do? If the rest of the Christian world is living carnally, if the rest of this church is living carnally if the pastors living carnally all that matters is are you measuring yourself by god's holy standard which is called the holy bible on the front cover and it's called the holy scriptures within the cover that's the holy standard and that's what you ought to be following and not follow anyone else no matter how numerous they might be first peter chapter 4 first peter chapter 4 we're at war and we want to fight a good warfare. 1 Peter 4, verse 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. This is 1 Peter again. Were we in chapter 1 a little while ago? Did it say, Gird up the loins of your mind? Notice what it says here about your mind. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. We are at war, so you have to arm yourself. And what is your armor? By getting your mind ready to suffer. Because self-denial is suffering. But Jesus suffered for us in His flesh. Isn't that enough to motivate you to suffer a little in your flesh? And if you will suffer... In the way of self-denial to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, He will bless you in your flesh and spirit. In most cases. And when He doesn't bless you in your flesh, He'll make up for it in your spirit. You never lose giving up your life for the sake of Jesus Christ. You try to save your life, you lose on both ends of that stick. The man who has Jesus Christ in his sights knows that Jesus suffered for him, so he arms himself with the same mindset. He has the same approach to life. He's going to suffer and stop sinning the way He once did. That He should no longer live the rest of His time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. Some of you only have a few years left in your flesh. I might only have one day. We, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But we've got a little bit of time left in the flesh, and we want to dedicate it dedicate it to doing the will of God Not our lusts. Verse 3, For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. The time past was enough. We don't need any more. Verse 4, Wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. You will run into conflict as soon as you try to live a holy life. If you try to change your life just a little bit from your past practices, even in your household, they're going to question you, what are you doing? They're going to call you strange. There's the question again. Well, how holy do I have to be? Why don't we just make it this simple? Holy enough to be called strange by those who are counting you friends right now. You say, well, do I have to be that holy? Oh, if you're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to hate you for it. But who do you want to love you? The God in heaven who is your Father? Or these on earth who are going to be judged when Jesus Christ returns the judge of the quick and the dead? Because verse 5 says, Who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? We can't run to that same excess. We've got to be different they're going to call it strange and we can't let it bother us brethren how can we apply this and walk out of here this day and be holier let's look at psalm 101 psalm 101 and see some of the passages of scripture that tell us some things that we ought to focus on psalm 101 arm yourself with the same mind what mind did the lord jesus christ have he was willing to suffer He was willing to do the will of God even if it cost him. And you're going to be thankful in the second assembly for his words. I am come to do thy will, O God. Are you here to do his will? His will is to live a holy life in all aspects. Psalm 101, verse 3, David said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. That is holiness. Let's back up and get verse 2. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. A perfect heart is a holy heart. Behaving yourself wisely in a perfect way is living a holy life. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work. Of them that turn aside. It shall not stick, it shall not cleave to me. Get it off of me. I don't want any habits. I don't want any weaknesses toward the things of this world. I want to be holy. So then, verses 4 through 8, he cuts off all friendships that would take him down. Verse 3 his eyes. Verse 2 his heart within his own house. Your thoughts. Thoughts in your own heart, in your own house, verse 2. What's before your eyes, in verse 3, and all your friends, in 4 through 8. Are you holy in all those ways? Do they promote the holiness of God, the things that you look at? Do they lift you or lower you? Do your friends lift you toward holiness or lower you from it? Isaiah 6, Isaiah 6, Isaiah tells us in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings with twain. He covered his face and with twain. He covered his feet and with twain. He did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. That is one glorious picture of God on His throne. Then said I, Woe is me! Exclamation point. He was exclaiming, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. All the difference in the world is a vision of God. If you get a vision of the God of the Bible, all of a sudden you will be unclean in every part of your life, because God is so clean. He is so holy, you will appear unholy in His presence. There is no comparison between us and Him. Then God provides a remedy for him, and the Lord says, who will go for us? And Isaiah said, I will go. But what I want is verse 5. Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. How holy is our speech. Is it holy in kindness? Is it holy in virtue? Is it holy in purity? Is it holy in edifying? Is it holy whenever it speaks of the things of God? Is it holy about marriage? Is it holy about work? Is it holy about the world? Is our speech holy? The Bible tells us that holiness better include our speech. We have had Psalm 101, verse 2, a perfect heart and perfect thoughts in our houses at home. In your bed, when no one knows what you're thinking, but the God of heaven, are your thoughts perfect Verse 3, nothing before our eyes. Verse 4 through 8, no friends that would pull us down. Isaiah 6, our speech. Malachi chapter 2. Holiness unto the Lord. Where do you need to put a blue ribbon? I will make you as many blue ribbons as you want. Do you want one from your visor to remind you how to drive? Do you want one on your television to remind you what to watch? Do you want one taped to the corner of your mouth to help you remember what to say? Do you want one hanging in every door in your house as you walk through your house? You'll you'll keep yourself in a perfect way. You'll walk wisely before the Lord in your house. I'll put my wife to work. She'll burn the midnight oil. Sewing you blue ribbons, if that would help you. I think we can accomplish the same thing right now before the Lord. But you know, the Lord thought a reminder would help. Where should you put it? How about on your computer? You want a blue ribbon hanging out of your computer so that you're not tempted to click on something you shouldn't click on? So that you can remember that God had a man stoned to death for picking up sticks on the Sabbath day? You want one in your wallet? So that when you open it up, and are stingy with your giving. It will remind you that you're not being very holy with your money. Holiness applies to everything we do in all manner of conversation. Do you want me to to mail one to your boss so that he can staple it to your next performance review? Holiness to the Lord. And I'm not making a joke. I just want you to think about how how pervasive holiness ought to be in our lives. Malachi 2 gets us in another part of our lives. Verse 11. Malachi 2.11. Judah hath dealt treacherously, and an abomination is committed in Israel and in Jerusalem, for Judah hath profaned the holiness of the Lord, which he loved, and hath married the daughter of a strange God. Prof- you can profane the holiness of God by marrying out of the Lord. That's verse 11. The Lord will cut off the man that doeth this. The master and the scholar out of the tabernacles of Jacob and him that offereth an offering unto the Lord of hosts. It doesn't matter whether you're a priest, a scholar, or a master. God's going to cut the man off that does this that marries outside the Lord because that is a profanation of His holiness. His holiness is that you want to find someone to marry that fears and loves the Lord God of heaven as much as you do. If you've done so, God will have mercy and forgive and we've got testimonies of it in our own church. But you ought to be pressing each other toward that holiness of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Now we've got another problem related to the first. It's in verse 13. Look at the word again in the first clause. And this have ye done again. Here's another issue. Covering the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping, and with crying out, insomuch that he regardeth not the offering any more, or receiveth it with goodwill at your hand. Yet ye say, Wherefore, why isn't God accepting our worship? Because the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously, yet is she thy companion and the wife of thy covenant. And did not he make one? Yet had he the residue of the Spirit. And wherefore, one, one wife for each man that he might seek a godly seed. Therefore take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. For the Lord, the God of Israel, saith that he hateth putting away, for one covereth violence with his garment, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore take heed to your spirit, that ye deal not treacherously. These men were putting aside their wives and marrying foreign pagan wives, and God was judging them for it. But he's also recognizing the tears of their Jewish wives who were covering his altar because they were dealing treacherously with them. Let Malachi 2:10 through 16, 11 through 16, remind you that holiness includes your marriage. Adam and Carrie are getting married in three weeks and six days. Adam, you better love that little girl like Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, and you better love her without being bitter against her. Carrie, you better submit to him in all things and reverence your husband. Not answering again, but in all good fidelity. Adam, you better remember that she's the weaker vessel, but she's an heir together with you of the grace of life. And you better dwell with her in knowledge. I love you both. Holiness is also practiced in our marriages. It's easy to pick on them, isn't it, everyone else? How long have you been married? How long have I been married? Is our relationship with our spouse the way it should be to please God? He sees every bit of treachery, what you think you hide in the bedroom. He knows every bit of it. Holiness unto the Lord. I want us to be a holy church, holy families, holy marriages, and holy souls. That the Lord will come and continue to bless us and stay with us. Is your relationship with your wife one that measures up to a book called the Holy Bible? The measure is up to Scriptures called the Holy Scriptures. If it is less than that, then you are not holy. You have profaned the holiness of God by not properly treating the wife that God gave you. 1 Corinthians 6. The Lord willing, you read this last evening. I just want verses 19 and 20 due to time. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the holy ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God owns us twice. He created us. And He bought us with the death of Jesus Christ. And your body is as much His purchased possession as your soul and spirit. It is amazing how people think that we can compartmentalize our lives. As long as I love the Lord with my soul and spirit, and I go ahead and mess around a little bit with my body, that's okay. That is not okay. They're all equal in the sight of God. Jesus died for all of them. And it's mentioned right here that your body... Verse 14, God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by His own power. Verse 13, now the body is not for fornication but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Your body is the Lord's. Who can remember a series of messages about four years ago on your body is the Lord's? About the time we first met you, Christina. Your body is the Lord's. Remember we covered everything from A to Z. From abortion to virginity, can't remember the Z at the moment. But our bodies are the Lord's. Cremation. We went over everything. Cremation is a profaning of the holiness of God. It is not a minor offense. It is a major offense because Jesus Christ died for that body, and by treating that body like a pagan, you are profaning the holiness of God. Jesus died for that body, and he's going to raise that body up. Verses 19 and 20 don't have a thing to do with whether you eat too many sweets or not. These verses don't have a thing to do whether you use tobacco or not. I've heard these verses used all my life as two verses God put in the Bible against smoking when smoking hadn't even been invented yet. These verses are talking about fornication because that is the context. We are slaves to context. God doesn't care whether you smoke or not, chew or not, unless unless you're violating other principles of righteousness, and it's not time to get into that right now. He doesn't care if you like two pieces of cherry pie instead of one. He doesn't care if you drink coffee. These verses are not about that. These verses are not about skydiving and putting your body at a slightly greater risk than lying in your bed and suffocating to death because you drowned in your own spittle. The Lord doesn't care about those things. What He cares about is are you going to take your body and join it to a harlot? Are you going to commit fornication with it? Fornication was a common sin in those days. And brethren, it's a common sin in our days. You say, well, I haven't fornicated in five years. But have you thought about it? Have you talked about it? Have you read about it? Have you watched anything about it? What? Have you forgotten something, Corinthians? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? The Holy God dwells within us which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Your body is not your own. You know, when those abortion advocates say, my body's my own, I can do whatever I want with it. Remember passages like this. Your body is not your own. It's the Lord's. He's purchased it. You're bought with a price. Therefore, because you're bought with a price, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, because they are God's. How how far should you go in glorifying God in your spirit? Well, let's, if we went ahead four chapters to 1031 of this same epistle, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Amen. That's how you show holy reverence and holy fear for the Holy Ghost that is in you and for the Holy Lord Jesus Christ that bought you. The context is fornication and moral corruption of your body with sin it is living an unholy life God is not talking here about the calories you eat or the vitamins you take he's talking about what you're doing with that body relative to sin look at chapter 7 First Corinthians chapter 7 you say we've already covered marriage from Malachi 2 that's correct I'm going after something else in this chapter First Corinthians 7 look at verse 32 The Lord's going after something else with both of us. All of us. 1 Corinthians 7.32 But I would have you without carefulness. I want to tell you right now that God wants you to simplify your life so that you can be holier. This passage is weighty and powerful. Marriage is a highly exalted institution of the Bible. But if you can do without marriage, you should do without it so that you can give yourself more holy to the Lord. Not everyone can do that. Jesus said some have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. It is from verses like this that we understand God expects us to manage the responsibilities and obligations of our lives, including marriage, including the number of children, including what we do with those children, jobs, hobbies, part-time jobs, and everything else we get ourselves committed to. As high and as exalted as marriage is, marriage is to be pushed aside, if you can, for this reason. I would have you without carefulness. He does not want our life filled with responsibilities, anxiety, worry, and care. He that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married careth careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. There is a difference also between a wife and a virgin. "...the unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy, both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, and that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction." Every time we make a decision to add something to our lives... We better be careful that we're considering these four verses. Are we adding something to our life that's going to obligate us further unnecessarily so that we cannot be as holy as we should be? Because holiness takes a girding up of the loins of your mind and if you're worn out and tired all the time, you cannot gear up for it as others can. There is a difference, Paul is saying. There is a difference between a virgin and a married woman. Or a widow and a married woman. And the Lord knew that. So we have 1 Timothy chapter five and all of its lengthy explanation about a widow indeed. Right here, I just want to tell you that to be holy, you need to simplify your lives. Whenever you make choices, keep your keep your life as simple as you possibly can. Don't add to its obligations unless they're obligations God requires. If they're obligations that are matters of liberty, then remember that and keep them limited so that you can please the Lord. Life can get way too complicated to where you are taken by your life instead of you directing your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. When you can make a choice that will simplify life, make that choice. That's what Paul taught there in 1 Corinthians 7. He wasn't trying to cast a snare upon them. He knew that most people needed to get married. And he wasn't telling them they couldn't. But if they could be a eunuch, there was a present distress going on in Corinth. And Paul knew that he had an advantage over other men because he was single. He said, I wish that all men were like myself. But he knew that some couldn't. Many couldn't. Most couldn't. But my point from it is not so much about marriage. I hope that none of you six are going to see me afterwards that are planning marriages between now and the end of the year because that wasn't my point. The point from 1 Corinthians 7 dealt with marriage, but it was, I would have you to be without carefulness. And to reduce care in your life, you can be a holier person. If you use the time that you have for the things of the Lord. That's why the Bible says, wherefore? Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 14 through 17. 2 Corinthians six fourteen, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light or holiness with darkness or sinfulness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them, and walk in them. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Seven promises in those verses 14 through 17. There are four of them in 16, there are one of them in 17, and two more in 18, of God's promises to come to us, dwell with us, be our Father, we be His children. On what basis? A fatalistic approach to the predestinating grace of God? No. I'm coming out from among them. God will be a practical Father to us in all seven of these relationships if we separate ourselves and touch not the unclean things of this world. And this is one of the places we go to about the unclean holy days of this world and why we don't celebrate them. Verse 1 of chapter 7, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. This is a wonderful passage. And may God bless you to look at that, read that, think upon it. We have precious promises. Seven of them. I will, I will, I will. I will be your personal, practical father. You will be my child. I will dwell with you. I will receive you. On what basis? By separating from unholiness. And coming out from among them, and not even touching it. And perfecting holiness in the fear of God, both in our bodies and in our spirits. God will bless us. You read 1 Thessalonians 4 last night? This is the will of God. People ask. I just want to know God's will for my life. Well, 1 Thessalonians 4 tells you. This is the will of God. Even your sanctification. What does it mean to be sanctified? To be holy. That's verse three. Come all the way down to verse eight. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. What's the subject in first Thessalonians four, one through eight? Fornication. This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye abstain from fornication. That every man know how to possess his vessel in honor. You have your body under control. You do not give in to the lust of the flesh. So holiness and pleasing God more and more in the first eight verses is sexual purity. In the next two verses, it's loving the brethren. In the next two verses, it's working hard at an honest profession. In the last six verses, it's looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to please God more and more and be holy in your life? That's what you need to do. But I've failed. James chapter 4 says, Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Even the Holy God will draw nigh to you if you will draw nigh to Him. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. Psalm 130 said, Let all Israel hope in the Lord. If you have not been as holy as you should, there's a simple solution. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can cleanse our hands. We can purify our hearts. We can draw nigh to God. He will draw nigh to us. He will exalt us if we will humble ourselves before Him admitting that we have not been as holy as we should have been. He will save us because there is plenteous redemption with the Lord. And you can hope and trust in that redemption. And then, then, we can realize the blessing of what I offered to you two weeks ago from 1 John chapter 1, where we have that verse about confessing our sins. We also have, These things have I written unto you, that ye may have fellowship with us. And truly... Our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things have we written unto you, that your joy may be full. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie. And do not the truth. May God have mercy upon us. Convicting us to be holier in our hearts, homes, marriages, families, and everywhere else in our lives and in this church. May Jesus Christ, who is the author and finisher of our holiness, be praised.